Yahweh, another new day. Again, you've given me breath in my lungs to carry me in and through this day. You've walked this day. You know this day. You know what lies before me. You are with me. You are for me. You are my strength. And you are my love. You are my sovereign Lord God Almighty. And it is your business that I am about, Father God. You called me up to do this thing. I agree with you in this. Your way is my way. My house will worship you, Father. It will be that way. Abba Yahweh, your truth, knowledge, and wisdom that I share with those who have an ear to let them hear and to listen and heed your words of edification, of warning, of exhortation, of rebuke. Whatever the words are, Father, that you give, they come from you because you are our loving Father. Abba Yahweh Aman, Yeshua Aman, Parakletos Aman. So um, today I'm going to, um, from one of my readings, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this directly from the reading because I think it's very important and Jesus shared this with us as well. And we need to remember this because in a gift that our Lord gave to us, he gave us the, um, it's a gift and sometimes it feels like it's worse because of what we turn it into or what Satan would like us to turn it into because it was a gift. He's, he gives, the Lord has given me a gift of um, really, really, it's powerful sometimes, so powerful sometimes it, it, uh, it almost makes me dizzy. But um, this discernment that he has given to me, it allows me to feel things that are within and I get this around my pastor sometimes because um, I just the, the feeling that I get and I know that I have to be in prayer for him and I can feel this turmoil that he, he's involved in. And Satan really wants to use that as a curse against me, but that's not what it is. God intended this for a gift, so he brings me out because he knows that I will go to prayer. And I will. And this is one of the things that we, I shared with, uh, shared with you all um, the other day. What we used to call when I was younger and growing up in, in my church, I used to call these certain people prayer warriors. And when there was something going on, um, they would, of course, ask the brothers and sisters to pray. But there were individuals that they would call specifically because they knew the knowledge was given that they knew that these individuals had a connect, a righteous connect with God, and he really leaned in when they were talking. And God does that. Prayers from the saints are all, I've shared this with you before, is that John was shown in a vision by an angel that God holds and saves our prayers in golden vials in his temple. He, he saves them. He loves to hear us pray to him. He loves our words. We are his children. We are his children. And we need to also know that this gift, that one of the gifts that he has bestowed on us is he gave us a... Um, Well, I forgot what the mammon like to call it, but um, <clears throat> he's given us a gift of uh, forethought or uh, the ability that we have over other creatures that he's created uh, to pre-plan, to lay out directions according to what our thoughts are in preparation for certain things. But what we have done is we've turned this into a curse. God intended this gift, but we have fallen into this because of the world is broken and we have, it is a fallen place. And we 
will use that gift of pre-planning and then we start getting all muddled up and all in a fuss because well, I got to get this done by this time and this time and this time and then and then I'll be able to go on to that and then I go on to that and then I go on to that and then the boss wants this, the boss wants that or if you are the one in charge of something, you get all rattled because your pre-planning didn't work out exactly what you had drawn out in your mind's eye. And you can't get some of these things accomplished. So now you're going to be late for church. You're going to be late for the prayer meeting. You're going to be late for this. You're going to be late for that. <clears throat> and it also happens in those that really want to work within the church, but they get themselves so caught up in what they have pre-planned for themselves to do for the course of the week to get things done so that the pastor has this and he's got that and he's got this note and that note and this paperwork and that paperwork. And you get so wrapped up in the worry of that pre-planning. And what did Jesus tell us? Jesus sat down and, and told us, he says, why do you worry? Tomorrow will take care of itself. There is much more to be concerned with. And that who here, who here? can lengthen your day and stay by another hour by worrying and fretting about what goes on. Now, of course, that was a paraphrase because Jesus didn't say it exactly like that. And I'm sure he was probably speaking in Aramaic or Hebrew or Greek or Latin. But the point is, brothers and sisters, that we get so caught up in worry about stuff. And I, you know, here's the thing. Let me tell you, I got my little mirrors floating around up here in front of me. I'm doing the same thing, and Satan loves to have us in that, okay? Why? He loves to have us in that because it takes our focus, it distracts us from our focus of our Lord. We pay attention to all those things. And remember, this is a primary lesson that Jesus, when Elijah went up on the face of the mountain, this is exactly what God is trying to explain to us and what we fail to understand and what Jesus was explaining is the exact same thing. I've shared this with you. David David did the same thing. He got so worried about things on his mind and he was thinking about all these things that are going on around. Now, of course, as the king of uh, Israel, there were enemies that were coming and things going on, but so many things that he got worried about and so many things. You go back to the book of Psalms. You can read it in there. You see it. It's in his mind and swirling around. But what did he do? He always took his focus and he went back to God where he should be. And he went right where he should be. And which is a place that we don't go to often enough. Many of us. Many of you all out there, I'm not going to say, I'm going to take me out of that equation because I have a tendency to head to the Lord, I think, quite a bit, often. And, and this thing that I'm going through, I, the devil wants me all wrapped up and worried about it, but I can't worry about it. I can't, because if I do say worried about it, I'm going to get myself, I'm going to, by the end of the week, I'm going to have a peptic ulcer for crying out loud. It's silly. And the joy of the Lord is my strength, and I will be strong, and he will make things right. Whatever's going on, he will make things right, and he's always with me. But I've got some pretty horrendous things that are going on right now. So anyway, point being, refuse to worry. In this world, there's always going to be something that draws our, our focus. It's going to entice us over there to be fretting and worried about it. Whatever. Oh, man, my kid's birthday, my grandchild's birthday, this and that and the other thing. Oh, I can't afford to get him this. I can't afford to do that. And then you got Christmas coming up. Oh, I can't afford to get him this and that and this and that and this and that. And when we think or we have some of the stuff we talk openly about, trust me in this, Satan has that ability to intercept, interfere, and uh, use things against it. This is what he does. This is what he does. This is why talking to God in heavenly language, in prayer, see, because that ability has been removed 
from our enemy. He cannot do that thing. He he knows scripture and he remembers the word. And I mean, he was he lived in heaven. And those that fell with him, his demons, they remember scripture. They know scripture. Why do you think they're so adept at using it against us? So, but the one thing that he can't do that's been taken away is he cannot understand holy speech. If we're speaking in the spirit and we're talking to heaven, it's a direct unbreakable, cannot be interfered with, and it's a private connection to heaven alone. Cannot be interpreted, cannot be decoded. It's like the code talkers have used that analogy before. What they did in World War II, they had the Native American code talkers, they called them, or what they call them, the, the, uh, the wind talkers because they talked on the wind. You couldn't see their words and you couldn't see the radio transmission, but it was out there. The Japanese couldn't understand what they were talking about. And it was, a. they were speaking their native tongue. They couldn't understand them and they were, they could talk about things. It saved a lot of men and women, troops. What I'm saying is that the nature of this place is... Okay, brothers and sisters, uh, slight interruption, and that's okay. I think I figured out how to do this. I'm, I'm still not sure. I'd really like to be able to pause or put a pause as I speak, but of course I don't have all that uh, nice expensive equipment that they all wanted to charge me for to do the Lord's work. But what I was speaking of is this gift that God has given us to for forethought or pre-planning, as some people would, would call it. But forethought is that before you go into something, you're, you're thinking about it. You're already formulating up how it's going to work. But here's the problem that, that we will tend to go into and many will go into is you start to worry about things before they even get here or get to you. And as Jesus tried to explain, he said, what is worrying going to do anything in your lives except get you frustrated and agitated and upset? And none of that is going to add any bit of time to your life. Or is the worry that you sit down and you formulate and you get agitated about, is that making your preparation any easier? Is it making the job that you're actually doing, is it making it any easier for you to do? No, it's not. And that goes for individuals that are even working within the church. There's some people that do the office work and they do all this stuff. And I tell you what, I see them more agitated than I see in a secular secretarial pool. They get so agitated because they're not getting something done. And I'm just wondering, are they praying at all when they go into work? Or do they pray through work at all? Or, wow. Um, and, and it leads me to formulate ideas of what they're talking under their breath while they're in the office within the church. I've seen that in some folks. Now, I'm not saying that all folks do that. But the thing of it is, the point that I'm making, brothers and sisters, that worry does not gain anything. You get you get no gain from worrying about anything. And in my reading, it talks about there will always be something enticing you to take your focus away from the Lord and get your word. And Satan loves to do that, okay? You gotta understand, yeah, I'm gonna talk about him again because he is our enemy and you need to be aware of the tactics that the enemy uses and for you doom and gloomers out there, and I heard another pastor use that term too, that people don't like to listen to certain scriptures in the Bible. And when you talk about prophecies and when you talk about God and Jesus in the end times and those days, they, they start whining and crying about doom and gloom and oh, this and that. Well, where's your, where is your heart? Is your heart in heaven where it should be? And you'd be glad that when the Lord comes back and all these things and all this hurt and all this pain is gone, but you whine and cry about your home here. You call this home. Billy Graham stated it. I shared his quote and I'll share it again. This is not my home. I'm just passing through. 
this plane of existence is not mine. It's a residential area where I'm working. I'm on a work visa from heaven. I signed a work contract with my Lord God Almighty. So stop fussing and worrying about the things. The Lord's coming. And when you talk about the things that I talk about and I talk about the enemy, it's not a doom and gloom thing. And it's not focusing on the enemy. Get your head straight. Get back in the word of God and know your enemy. Jesus Christ warned us about him, the coming into the sheep's fold and scattering the flock and attacking like ravenous wolves and that he comes in to seek, to kill, steal, and destroy. Jesus Christ described the demons and the minions that work for Satan in that way. Peter described him as a roaring lion who comes through the bush looking and seeking for whom he can devour. Paul talked about him as a wolf, the demons as wolves. So if our Lord, who came and died for us, who hung on the cross and shed his blood for our sakes, if he describes the enemy that way and he talks about the enemy, just remember what he said in Luke. I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to step on the serpents and the scorpions and to face the power of the enemy himself. We have that authority that's been given to us. So you get all doom and gloomy if you want to. Me, I'm battle, I'm battle ready. You ever see the old movies? Uh, maybe you saw 300 Spartans or, you know, some of the old classic, you know, when they had the warriors out there and they were facing each other and what did the one side would get there and they had their shields held up and they were banging their spears against their shields or they were banging their swords against it. They were ready to go. They were ready to go. And it's an intimidating thing when you see a bunch of battle-ready warriors opposing you and they're all shielded up and they've got their mantles or their helmets pulled down and they're ready to go and they're banging their shields and then all of a sudden that, that war cry comes up. It's an intimidating thing. I shared this with you before as, as a warrior and, and we had that, we have called, and you have uh, the Navy SEALs have one, the Army has one, and then you have, uh, of course, you have the Air Force who they have theirs. But when you hear that as a group, as a whole, and you can hear it from one side of the camp to the other side, that can be intimidating. But here's the thing. In this broken, fractured plane of existence that we're in, the Lord is with us always. And worrying about things are not going to make them go away. And it takes our focus away from the Lord. And being aware of the enemy and knowing how his tactics work and what he does, that's not taking focus away from God. Don't focus on him. You focus on the Lord, but be aware of what the enemy is able to do. That's totally logical. God does not mind logic and reasoning. Just don't focus on the enemy. And so for those of you that don't want to hear about that, you're of that ilk that will not read the books of prophets because you don't like the doom and gloom. Daniel was talking about things that are going up here and now. And I found scripture in Jeremiah talking about things. And when, oh, my goodness, brothers and sisters, when I sit and I look at this and I read those scriptures, so I wrote it over in my side margin, USA, because it talks about the things that are going on in this very place, this part of this plane of existence that I am in. It speaks to this thing. And we're talking about, 1,000 years before Jesus was born, before he came into existence on our plane. Of course, we know that he was with the Father from the beginning. But before he came here, Daniel spoke of his coming 1,000 years and he also spoke about this country. Of course, he didn't say, oh, the USA, but look at it, read it, and see if his description is not exactly what's going on here now. But brothers and sisters, what, me worry? No, that does nothing. 
continue. This is my daily reading. So the temptation to be anxious is always with us. You, you're going to you're gonna grab onto something. You're going to fret. You're going to worry about it. You're going to become anxious with it. And what's it tell us in the Bible? Be anxious for nothing. The book of Philippians tells us that. I believe it's in Philippians. I'll flip over there right quick. I got my marker on Matthew 24, which is also very important. But we go over here and Paul writes, ah, absolutely it is. Philippians chapter 4. He's writing to the church in Philippi. And he says, be care for nothing. And what that translates to is anxiousness. And that we're actually, it actually says in the sidebar in the study notes that we're, we're forbidden to do that. Let me jump over here right quick and double check those. But we're forbidden to do that. Why is that? Because God knows, the Lord knows, that we are going to get so caught up in that, we're going to get so agitated that we become careless, we become callous, we become resentful, we become agitated, we kick our dogs around, our cats around, we become, we become something that we're not. So, there's here's some interesting scripture in this, and 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 it's actually in um, in my study portion in the Bible. It's, the cares are forbidden. Why is that? Because as it says in Psalms one twenty seven and two, it is vain to get up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrow, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Peaceful sleep that the Lord gives. So for you to sit there and roll back and forth on your pillow, worried about things that are coming that aren't even here yet. Back and forth, you mull the stuff over. And what Jesus tells us in Matthew 6, Therefore I say to you, take no thought for your life, for what you shall eat, or what you're going to wear, or what you're going to drink. It's, that's not life. The, the life, it's not the life more than meat and the body than raiment. So are you not more important than what you're going to wear and what you're doing? So what Jesus is trying to explain to us is that you're going to cause so much issue. And what happens if people, people get this thing and doctors have told people, and I heard this years ago when I was younger, is that you can cause yourself ulcerations by getting so worried. Goodness gracious, ulcers are not a good thing. And in the book of Luke, Jesus told us, he said, he was talking about Martha. She was so worried about everything that was going on and she wouldn't take the time to sit down and listen to Jesus talk. And that during the time that she was trying to learn that when they got ready to serve, quite certain that people would have got up and put their hands in and helped her set the table. But she was so worried about having all this stuff out and she went around fussing, 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 fussing. And her sister was more concerned about hearing what God was saying through Jesus Christ to all of us and what he was trying to teach. And she wanted to be by him and listen and hear the words. And Martha came up and said, hey, Jesus, can you tell her to get up and help me? And he just said, Martha, Martha, you fret and fuss about so many things. Mary has decided that what's important for her is to be here by me and hear me. I will not take that away from her. Now, of course, I'm paraphrasing, but Jesus told her that. He said, I'm not going to take that away from her. I like the way Jesus said this in Luke 21 and 34, the way Luke writes this. And you know that Luke was a physician, educated, so he, he wrote things down a different way. Matthew was also educated, a lot of languages, and he was very detail-oriented as a bookkeeper. But Luke was here. I like the way he says this in, in Luke 21, 34. And take heed to yourselves, lest any, at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness, and cares of this life, 
so that they come upon you unawares. I like the way he writes that because we become so overcharged with things that are going on that we have no business being involved in yet. But we're so concerned about it that our hearts become overcharged and we have no business being there. And these things constantly come in and the devil tries to worm his way in with that white noise interference to distract us and keep us confused and the issue with that. And it worms its way into our mind. I like that analogy as well. It worms its way in. The best defense that we have against that is the focus on the Lord, continual communication with him, continually that we communicate with him. And he calls us to that, continually communicate with me. And that's, so many people get so caught up in prayer. You can, all it is is communication. Communication is two-way. You have to speak and listen. But so many people think that it's this ritualistic thing that, that you go through. That's pretty sad. We season our prayers with thanksgiving, that we focus on his presence, his proximity to us, not presence, his gifts. He gives us lots of those. And that that fills our mind with his light and peace. Our heart is calmed and relaxed. And that's what we focus on. We don't focus on the devil. We're aware of the devil, but don't focus on that. So you doom and gloomers, get over it. It's real. He's real. The enemy's real and he's here and he's working it. I'm going to share some things with you that are just going to blow you away. And this is what Jesus tells us in Luke 12. Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? And since you cannot do this very little thing, why are you so worried about the rest? And the other thing that I have to say, and that, that this is other portion of the scripture, is that the day is the Lord's. The, door, the Lord has walked this day. He knows what's coming. He's aware of that. And he has set this day before us. We thank him before we get up. We put that, we worship him. That's our tithe for the day. Now, of course, he asks us to put the tithe in to help the church and guide him that we're to do that. But tithing of ourselves and, and giving that sacrifice before we even get up to go into our work of the day that we thank him for the day, thank him for being with us and teaching with us. And he will, he does. And he's with us always. Doesn't matter where we're going, what we're doing, high, low, grieving, sorrow, happy, joy, joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength and his peace and his power and his strength is with us all the time. So, if you're too busy worrying and focusing on the enemy, see, that's the thing. Don't focus on the enemy. Be aware of the enemy. Any smart warrior would be. And as the Bible tells us, and there's a lot of people that don't want to do this, these slothful, lazy individuals, I'm talking to you. And if that twists your knickers all up and gets you nodding, you can't sit comfortably, that's what it's meant to do. So get real. And the reality is that you don't, Focus on the enemy, but the enemy is real and he's there. That doesn't mean you get all doom and gloomy and you, oh, the devil's this and the devil that. Yeah, see, now what you're doing is you're falling into his line and you're worried about it. Don't do that. You focus on the Lord, but be aware of the enemy. And the Bible also says that we are called by the Lord and we are all called to battle, whether you are going to be that one in the gap that the Lord looks for or you're going to be one of those that's kind of wanders around the streets and, and you're um, defending the little ones. However you're doing it, it doesn't make any difference. But the God in heaven, our heavenly father, has called us to be warriors. He's called us and through many places. And it goes all the way back into the book of Deuteronomy. The fifth book of the Bible talks about not being afraid to be of good courage, that the Lord is with us. Way back there. 
and then coming through. And he reminded Noah that he would be with Noah. And Noah built that ark for 120 years and he had all those coming to attack him and make fun of him. And that's all they had to do. What are you building? Noah, what are you doing, you silly old goat? There's no lakes here. There's no rivers. There's no streams. Repent and come back to the love of God. I beseech you, I pray that you do this thing because there is a time coming and you will not have that opportunity. Ah, Noah, you're just a crazy old goop. But when they pulled that ramp up and the Lord put his hand on that door and he sealed it, they wailed and they cried and they gnashed their teeth because now they couldn't get in. It was too late. And when the Lord comes with the sound of the trump and the splitting of the heavens and he comes into our plane of existence as he promised he will do, it will be too late then as well. And you are going to have many. It says that all will kneel, bow their heads, and they will confess that he is Lord. I'm going to do it because I know that's who he is. But you're going to have those out there that are going to be elbowing one another. Why didn't you listen? Why didn't you tell me? Why didn't you listen? We were at the same meeting. Yeah, but all this other stuff. Look at them. Man, we're not even going to have any of that stuff. That Man, the devil was a liar. We're not going to even be able to keep any of this stuff. Oh, now they realize, but guess what? Eh, too late. You hear that uh, little alarm go off, that buzzer alarm that indicates that they ran out of time. Yeah, they did. This is why I am about my father's business, about the truth sharing, because he desires that his children don't end up there. He wants you to be in heaven with him and that opportunity is given to all. And as a child of God, as a believer that Jesus came for me and God is faithful to me and the Holy Spirit is true to me, I do this thing that he's asked me to do. That contract that I signed blank, I don't care what any of the paragraphs or the clauses therefore are unto you, so none of that matters. What matters is that I am about his truth, period. That everyone would have an opportunity, any of you out there that are hearing what I'm saying. Now I'm getting into this really sad part of this thing and I, I saw some issues that <clears throat> at the same time upset me because I had a friend of mine some years ago talk about this man. And as a rule, I don't normally do this, but I'm gonna warn you that there's a man out there that is declaring lies, hypocrisy, false doctrines, false truths. And this guy is so caught up in himself and, and this, this man. And when I'm, I'm going to say this out loud, I'm going to say his name out loud, which I don't normally do, but it's not slander. So don't get your knickers all twisted up about that because slander, legal slander is when you lie about somebody and you cause harm to them, financial harm, um, that's slander, but if you tell the truth and that can be shown, then it's not slander. You're just sharing something that if you choose to not follow. But this this guy bothered me years ago, uh, Benny Hanna, I guess, I think that's his name, but it bothers me because I had a friend of mine, a Christian that, that used to follow his teaching and follow his ministry and actually saw him one day in the airport and kind of went over and was going to try to get him to just say a quick prayer with him. The guy turned around and put his hand on his throat and choked him and pushed him against the wall. And then then his entourage came and they grabbed him. They held him up against the rope. And one of his big goons put his hand on his throat and actually lifted him off the floor and wouldn't let him go. And then looked around and realized that people were watching him and then let him go and, and he fell to the floor. This was This was a friend of mine, a Marine Corps friend of mine. And he just dropped him to the floor. All she was going to do is ask for some prayer. That wasn't following the teaching. And I, I'm going to be, I'm going to backtrack a little bit because I don't want to get too heavily involved in, in that thing. But when you have an individual that is more concerned about self, appearance, money, and 
you declare that anyone that speaks against his ministry, so I guess he's going to curse me because uh, I'm, he's probably got somebody that looks through Facebook and all this stuff, but I guess I'm going to get cursed. But um, here's the other thing too. I've shared with you the vanity of using the Lord's name in vain. So that means that you don't use God's name to curse. You don't use the blood that Jesus shed for us as a curse. I've had that done um, from other people's uh, they were angry and upset and they tried to use the blood of Jesus as a curse on me. Yes, and the blood of Jesus be on you. You have you a nice day, but they did so in anger. Well, that's vanity. That's what that is. That's what the Bible talks about vanity. When you don't take the Lord's name serious enough. And I saw this individual, same individual, using, saying and declaring that anyone that speaks against his ministry will be cursed and he calls down a curse from heaven on anyone that does that. Wow. So this is, this is uh, powerful because it's the, the Lord tried to, um, he tried to do this for the Sanhedrin, but they were so caught up in their own arrogance and their own and their own authority that they don't didn't want to hear him admonish. They didn't want to accept that. But the Bible tells us that those that hear the word of the Lord when he admonishes, rebukes, and we do that, he does that because he loves us. He wants us to be guided into the right way. So we must allow that our Father is going to occasionally do that because he loves us. He loves me. So he's going to do that. But to call down a curse from heaven because somebody is speaking against him. This is, this is why Jesus called, <laughs> Jesus called John and James the sons of thunder because they wanted to call down uh, fire and brimstone and, and hail, firing hail from heaven onto the Samaritans. And Jesus was like, really? You're missing the point of why we're here. We're here to show them. And you want to call fire from heaven to destroy them? So this is what the individuals are doing. Self-same individuals are doing that very thing. They want to call down a curse from heaven because somebody doesn't agree with what they say. Well, I'm here to tell you right now, straight up, that I don't agree with it because I watch this guy. I know this guy. And I don't know him personally, and I don't really want to. Um, but I know what he did to my friend. I know that what was demonstrated to my friend. And then here's the, here's the really bad part, and this comes straight from Scripture. That there are going to be those that are going to say that, oh, the Lord is here, come see here, come see here, come see here, here, there, and everywhere. And what does the Bible say, and what does Jesus tell us? And this is in Matthew 24. Don't be deceived and don't go. So this individual is telling us that a prophet came specifically to him and said that this word came to me from God and that Jesus is going to manifest himself to you at your whatever, your congregation, and there, he's going to manifest on the stage in the next couple of months. Well, not saying that he can if he decides he wants to, but the problem that I have with that is that we're told that that's not the way it's going to work and that there will be those that are going to declare that thing. They're going to say, oh, he's here. Come and see. Come on over this way, but not be. And when you have an individual that is more concerned about jewelry and the bling bling and all those things there, that, that tells me a lot of stuff. Okay. Here's a word that I'm going to share with individuals. And this is a, a learning, continued learning lesson. So what I have to say though, and also about those individuals that are involved in it, we still pray because they can still repent and be a powerful tool used of God. But if they continue to walk in that direction and they do not repent and they do not change their ways and they still try to use God as a curse against anybody that doesn't fit their line of thought, they are cursing themselves and they are condemning themselves. Just like it says in John three sixteen, 
They that do not believe or choose not to believe condemn themselves. And if they do not repent, they will not repent. It is self-condemnation and it is not condemnation that God is putting at them. He's giving them the opportunity to repent. And they have it. Just like all these activities that I pray about, these um, egregious activities that we have elected officials, they still have an opportunity to repent and say, Lord, I'm sorry. Help this nation. Forgive me for what I've done. Forgive me for what I've said. That opportunity is still there. And we are told, Paul writes to Timothy and he tells him, pray for these leaders. Pray for the nation. Pray for them. They still have an opportunity to repent. And if they don't, then they're going to have to be judged by that. And these individuals that are claiming to be uh, shepherds and, and leading the church, and yet they fall into this, uh, they fall into this foot march. They are going to have to stand. And there is a special, the Bible tells us this, that there will be a separate judgment. Why? Because they were called to lead the congregation. They were called to lead the flock. The good shepherd entrusted them and they willingly failed. Here's a word that I'm going to share with you and I've shared it some time ago and some that have been listening with me for a while maybe remember and some do not. But it is a word called apostasy. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you. It's a total desertion or departure from, and I don't like to use this word, but religion, principles, or cause to which we have been called. What does that mean? Let me translate further. If you willingly totally depart from it and you're not following the tenets, this is what we're talking about, the principles or cause. The Lord has called us in his tenets, his rules, his, his principles, what he sets up for us, to treat each other with kindness and compassion, love one another as I've loved you, forgive one another, and you just absolutely walk away from that. You don't want to hear it. I'm not going to forgive my neighbor. Why should I forgive my neighbor? He keeps parking on the lawn. And he keeps running over the pansies when he comes in the driveway. Well, you share the driveway, but, you know, that guy's such a jerk. I'm not going to forgive him for that. And wife yells at me for letting him do this stuff. I'm not going to forgive it. Well, you're telling God that, hey, I'm better than you. I don't have to forgive anybody. You're God. You, you forgive everybody. So you are now diminishing and have decided that you're in judgment and you're going to diminish the sovereignty of God. It's a, <clears throat> it's a Latin word, <clears throat> pardon me, that comes from the Greek, apostasia, a standing away or withdrawing. I'm going to share something that I saw when I lived in Japan, lived over there for a while. And they have this thing, when you have an individual that has brought dishonor to a company or, or uh, a group that, that he works with and they all supposedly working together and you have an individual that brings dishonor to that and it draws attention to them in a dishonorable way and they have a, they have a, a meeting of the big boss and the individual will stand, they call them to the front and then everyone turns their back <clears throat> on that person. They turn and stand away. They take steps away to further themselves away from it and they turn their back on them. <clears throat> so this is the act of apostasy that individuals are doing today and now and you have leaders in a church that are doing that very thing. And when you hear the term apostasy, it's got nothing to do with apostling. It is exactly the opposite. When you are called as a disciple and you learn and the Lord has decided now you're going to be an apostle, you're going to go out, you're going to share the word and you're going to call others in to be disciples, to discipline in the word of God, 
to be in the word of God, to learn that thing. But apostasy is when they totally desert. And you have churches that are doing that thing. And when you have the hirelings that are gonna stand in front of a congregation and teach members of the congregation that it's okay to call God's power and his sovereignty as a curse on others. So that's what it's doing. He's displaying to the congregation that it's okay to do that. It's not okay to do that. And the 10 commandments tell us, thou shalt not use the Lord God's name in vain. And that's what, that's what it is. Vanity that you have taken the sovereignty of the Lord and you've diminished it to a point to where you use it for a curse or a curse word, which happens all the time, or the vanity of the Lord is. And it tells you not to swear an oath by use of his name or by in heaven above. It tells you the example, and I hear this stuff. Oh, I swear by heaven above and God, the throne of God. This is true. This is the truth. I saw it. That is vanity, and you're not supposed to do that very thing. And this is part of what Jesus is telling. Let your yea be yea, and your nay be yea, nay. The word of your, the the power of your word should stand a note that you don't swear on God. You don't swear on the blood of Jesus that it's true, and you don't swear an oath by heaven above that it's true. And I've heard this used. Oh, in heaven's name, it's true. No. You don't do that. Our kingdom of heaven is a holy place. Our Lord God, sovereign Lord God is there. Our Lord who sacrificed his life for us is there. That's our kingdom is there. So you're gonna swear that something on our kingdom? Be cautious, brothers and sisters. Be cautious. And I'm gonna share further reading with you. In Matthew 24, I left off. Continue reading in Matthew 24, verse 34. Verily I say unto you, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. Jesus is truth. He's been the truth from the beginning. Further, verse 36. But of that day, an hour, no, no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my father only. What's Jesus talking about? The disciples were constantly hounding him. Well, when's that gonna happen? When's that gonna happen? And you have individuals that now declare, Oh, I have a secret code I figured out and, and I'll share it, but you send me you send me X amount of dollars and, and I'll share the code with you and we're gonna know when Jesus is coming. Well, it doesn't work that way because trust me in this, brothers and sisters, if it was meant to be that way that everyone would know and you wouldn't have to send an individual X amount of dollars in order to get the secret code because it would be given to all true believers. All true believers would know. And here's the thing that the Lord tells us, and he's repeated several times. <clears throat> we must be as a watchman. Make sure that your wicks are trimmed, your lamps are oiled up, and that you keep a good watch. That, that means that you don't get slothful and lazy, and that you don't share the word, and that you don't be about God's business, and that you just hang out and do whatever. It's not what that means. It means that you need to be watchful and paying attention, sharing the word and be ready to sound. And we must be sounding that alert to everyone now and do that thing. Share the word, share the truth and give everyone an opportunity to share in becoming an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ, anointed of God, who came for us to be our Jesus, our savior, our rescue, and shed his blood and show us how to have God in us, God with us. That's all he was about. Follow those tenets. Further reading in verse 37. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. 
For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. I shared that with you. They were all busy making fun of Noah. For 120 years, he built that ark and they were all making fun of that old goat that was down there with his long gray hair and beard. They were too busy making fun of him and they were drinking their strong wine and dancing and carousing and making fun of him. And he was up on the scaffold. And when he finished that day's work, he would try to preach to them and they were too busy making fun and then they'd go carrying on and carousing. They had no inclination to lean in and hear the word of God. They didn't want to hear that teaching. They were too busy having fun, making fun. Guess what? When they saw that ramp come up and they heard the thud and then the hand of God sealed it closed and then the rains came down and the floods came up and it happened quickly. It happened quickly. Then shall two be in the field. The one shall be taken and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill. The one shall be taken and the other left. Watch, therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. But know this, that if the goodman of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and would not have suffered this house to be broken up. Therefore be ye also ready for in such an hour as ye think not the Son of Man cometh. Who then is a faithful wise servant whom his Lord hath made ruler over his household to give them meat in due season. Blessed is that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Verily I say unto you that he shall make him ruler over all his goods. But, and if that evil servant shall say to, in his heart, eh, my Lord's delaying his coming and shall begin to smite his fellow servants and to eat and drink with the drunken. The Lord of that servant shall come in a day when he looketh not for him and in the hour that he is not aware of and shall cut him asunder and appoint him his portion with the hypocrites. And there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Brothers and sisters, I just shared that with you. We are to watch be prepared to be in the word. And don't sit over there like the slothful, lazy, self-proclaimed Christians or the label heads that put that little tape on their head and say, I'm a Christian. Not so. Because they don't share the word. They don't share the truth. They decide they want to sit back and pull that. Uh, they don't have those anymore. The old recliners used to have a big lever on the side, and almost like a big stick shift. And you grab that and pull it back and then the seat would go up. Now they have the push buttons. So they don't want to get out and share the word of God. They don't want to share the truth. They don't want to share the wisdom of the Lord. They don't want to be about the tenets of God. I think I just made this up. Maybe not. I haven't seen it anywhere. I should look it up. But it's the word apostasite. It comes from apostasy. I shared that with you already that you just turn and, and walk away. You make that declaration. So if you're an apostasite, you're following that tenant. You're not following the tenets of God. You're following the tenets of the false teachers and the idolaters, and you don't pay attention to what God wants you to do. You just gonna do your own thing. And your own thing is to perish if you don't pay attention and you don't heed the warning of the word of God. His truth, his knowledge and his wisdom and his love, brothers and sisters, he loves us all because he created us. Do you think that he felt good about the flood? Do you think he felt good about Sodom and Gomorrah? Do you think he felt, okay, I'm just gonna blast him and that's it. He didn't do, God, does, look, all the emotions that we have in us, in our bodies, in our hearts, and the things that we feel, where do you think that all came from? Where do you think that came from? You have any idea? I'm gonna tell you because it's in the word. It comes from our Heavenly Father. 
all the emotions that we feel, even anger, all those things come from God. All the things that he built into us come from God. Yes, even desire, but the thing of it is that Satan tries to darken all those things. You have to rebuke those things and you have to work on that. I, I have to work on it. You have to call that authority, declare that authority, work on that authority, be strong in the Lord, and not succumb to the weakness. Jesus, our King, the name above all names, our rescue, our Savior, God with us, God in us, anointed of God, came and sacrificed for us so that we could be and. The joy of the Lord is my strength. And it saddens me greatly when I hear people talk about, oh, the devil has just robbed me of my joy today. No, he didn't. You just let it go. Not even working at it. Not even working at it. I find myself, and I've got my little mirror right here in front of me, so don't, I'm not putting myself above, vaunting myself above anyone. And I talk to myself when I talk to you, but I just don't use we often. Maybe I should use that more so y'all don't get your knickers all twisted up. Keep y'all happy, happy, joy, joy. That's what we need to respond to. The happiness and the joy that the Lord wants us to have and the love that he has for us because that's why he has me doing what I'm doing. So that you have an opportunity to say, I do, I will, let's go. That's the mantra that we should have. I do believe that Jesus is your only begotten son. I will have faith in you, Father. Holy Spirit, let's go. Walk with me, guide me, teach me. I do, I will, let's go. Be watchful, be vigilant, and know that the enemy is real, know that the enemy is true. And so um, I say again, and I will, Maybe a little redundant, but I'm going to say it again because there are many that declared talking about the enemy and how he comes is worshiping him and taking focus away from God. Well, that's only if you allow it to. But if you do like Jesus warned us, he's like the ravening wolf coming in to scatter the flock, kill separate, drive away and steal what he can grab. That's the devil. And the devil is the author of confusion. As the Bible declares, he is the author of confusion. So when you have these individuals that are up there yammering on stage and they have these fancy suits and they have all this bling bling and, and you get distracted because this flashy stuff is, is being caught off the camera lights and all that stuff going on, and you get confused, you're going, what, what was that? And you, you, your mind is wandering and flitting and, and you're trying to pay attention to what they're saying, but it's hard to do because they're slow flashing. It almost seems choreographed. Well, you need to try the spirit. And John tells us um, in the book of John um, that we need to do that. John shares it. Hold on here one second. I'm going to try to, I can't recall the uh, I can't recall the exact scripture and uh, I apologize for that but John shares that with us that we need to do that and I've shared it with you before And we need to do, and I've invited you to do that with me because I already know that I tell the truth, I share the truth. And uh, I've invited you to share that. And share that time. You try my spirit. And see if I do not speak the truth 
And if the Holy Spirit tells you not to listen anymore, that's okay. I'm not going to get a big old. I'm not going to get twitchy about that because I already know that I tell the truth and I share the truth and that's what I'm, I'm about. And uh, I have found what I was looking for, I believe. Ah, uh, here we go. It is in the first letter that John wrote. Apologize for the delay. But it is in First John. And remember here that the word prophet biblically does not mean those that see the future, okay? That's, that's what we have decided to twist it and make it into, that somebody that sees out in the future. But in a non-relative way, I guess you could say it, because they're looking out for our future when they teach us the word of God. But pastors and those that have a strong power of the Lord in them, they're called prophets. You had prophets that were wandered you had the wandering prophets. You had the warrior prophets. Um, Elijah was one of those. You saw that when he destroyed the altar of Balaam. And uh, of course, he was fearful because he thought he was alone, so he took off running. That's where he went. But at any rate, you have those. You have the term prophet is used for those who are strong in the power of the Lord. And you have the term that was used when John wrote to the churches, the angels of the churches, the seven churches, the angels that he's talking about are the pastors of the church. The letter he wrote to them so that they would get those letters and they would share with their congregation that, look, this is what we have to do because God's telling us to do it this way. And the reminder of those letters. But at any rate, testing the spirit of prophets. So those that are speaking that. So I'm going to share this with you. This is in... Uh, John's first letter, chapter four. Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Hereby know ye the spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus is come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that confesses not that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is that spirit of antichrist, whereof ye have heard that it should come, and even now already is in the world. Ye are not of God, little children, and have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What does that mean? That means the prince of the air is still subject to the sovereignty of Lord God Almighty. Try the spirits. Brothers and sisters, there are those that are claiming to be something that they are not, just like I shared with you that, oh, God told me to tell you that Jesus is going to come and he's going to come on your stage in front of your congregation and it's going to happen in the next couple of months and make sure that you get all that money from everybody out there. And it's almost like selling tickets to a show. That's not what God is about. That's not what the Lord is about. That's teaching falsely. And that falls right into that apostasy. They have willingly turned their back on the tenets of God. And they have decided that they're going to go it on their own, that they are going to make money. And getting, and, and brothers and sisters, I share this word of warning again. The Bible talks about this. The word of God tells me this. That they that use that position that they have to willfully, purposely deceive and steal from the house of God and from the congregation and the children of God, they will have a judgment that he will set aside for them. And they're going to have that opportunity to try to convince God that what they were doing was okay. And guess what? He's going to look at them. He's going to have that furrowed brow and he's going to shake his head and say, I never knew you. And that saddens my God. He doesn't want to send people to hell, but he's also a just God. Though they claim to be in his will and they claim to be teaching Jesus. Brothers and sisters, 
Have a good day. This day, there's some, there's some hard and dark things that I'm sharing, but brothers and sisters, I'm sharing with you truth, okay? I'm not going to sugarcoat the gospel. I'm not gonna put little honey drips all over everything so that you don't see this stuff coming because it's coming and it's real and it's true, but there's nothing to worry about it. This is, this is in the word of God. If you read the word of God from front cover to back cover, you would have already bumped into some of this stuff from Daniel. A thousand years before the birth of Christ, Daniel was talking about this stuff. And you have Isaiah, Jeremiah. You have these powerful, powerful men of God, his prophets that Mammon likes to call the, uh, I don't know why they do this because the word of God coming from somebody, they have the greater prophets and lesser prophets. They want to decide all this stuff. And then they want to separate and say that the gospel is, is the New Testament and the gospel. Well, let me tell you this, the gospel, you know what the word means, gospel means? It means, and it comes from Latin, it's a combination word actually, um, but the Romans use it a lot. The word gospel just means good news. That's what the word means. So is not the word of God, the truth that he authored, he is the author and the finisher and that these individuals that he chose to share this truth in writing, is that not good news? So the entire Bible that God gave to us is good news. It's gospel. And when you read through it, you're going to see some things that are, might not be so great, like when Elijah whooped on the, the counselors and those that uh, were teaching Balaam false idols. and that's a, Those are historical events in the nation of Israel. But those prophets that bring the word of God, there's no greater prophet, no lesser prophet. I, I, you know, of course, the Holy Spirit's gonna probably take me and maybe pull me over aside and have me say differently, and, and I don't know. But he is also letting me share this, so it tells me that I'm not far from the mark. Everyone that shares the word of God in truth in his knowledge and his wisdom and does so righteously as a prophet of God and may be endowed with greater things as is the will of God to do. It doesn't make them any less than anyone else. They're sharing that truth and that knowledge and that wisdom and they're seeking that from God all the time Brothers and sisters, seek his face. Stay in the word, stay true to the word and be cautious of those individuals and the number is growing. I'm telling you right now, the number is growing. They seem like they're very straight up in truth, but they're out there looking to make profit and they're looking to take from what people believe and take from them just like the money changes are doing. And you can see this in a lot of places. So try the spirits. If the spirit of truth is in that house, then enter and sit and hear the word. If it is not, then flee, flee from that threshold. The Lord will lead you to a good place to be. Brothers and sisters, be blessed. You're in my prayers every single day every day going out and coming in.